All right, we are in a series, week two of our series called Strongholds. That there are things in the world that quite literally have a strong hold on you and me. And there are all kinds of strongholds in the world. There's addiction. There are pains and sufferings of things done or not done, said or not done, that have held on to us. There are lies that we hold on to. There's secret sin. There are all kinds of things that have a hold on us that prevent us from having the fullness of God and everything that he wants for us in life. And last week we, we discovered together that the prayer or that the, the power to bring these down, the weapons to bring down strongholds is centered on prayer. And so we're going to be praying through week after week, God, would you bring down the strongholds that are at work in my life? But specifically the ones that we're going to talk about together, there are six strongholds that we're going to walk through that prevent the church, the body of Christ, from living out the mission and the purpose of God fully. And today we're going to start with the first stronghold that we're going to look at is the stronghold of religion. Now, you might ask, well, how can religion be a stronghold? Isn't religion a good thing? Well, religion can be a good thing. It can be a wonderful thing. Or if we lose our purpose, it can become a stronghold. The definition, according to Merriam-Webster, of religion is this. It's the service and worship of God or the supernatural. Or it's the commitment or devotion to religious faith or observance. Now, religion can be a wonderful thing if it is a devotion to faith, if it's a commitment to worship God. But what happens if it becomes a commitment to observance or to behavior or to ritual or to routine? What happens to religion when we lose our purpose in it? To pursue Jesus, to do life with God, to commit ourselves to him. What happens if we lose that purpose of following Jesus and it becomes about following rules? Well, we see it all the time. You can go to a number of places all over the world and you will find places where the people of God used to gather to celebrate the movement of God and the call of God. And what, what once was a mission or a movement has become a museum. What once was a place to come and celebrate and push one another toward a relationship with God has become a relic. Well, think about it. You can go all over the world and see places like this. There it is. Where people used to once gather and celebrate the kingdom and the movement and the inbreaking of God in the world. And somewhere along the way, they lost our purpose. And, and I want us to hear this. Losing our purpose for the kingdom of God is a fatal mistake. And leaving behind us will be relics, museums, places of the past long ago where people will look back and wonder, I wonder how they got to this place. But here's the most scary thing of all is that there are places all over the world, there are places in the United States today maybe even in our own county, maybe here in South Haven, where people still gather, but because they've lost their purpose, they're already making that transition from a movement to a museum. And I pray that that will never be said 
of Getwell Church. That we will not lose our purpose, our focus, and following God. Lord, whatever it is that you call us to, Lord, we are all in. We're all in with faith. We're all in to take the risk that you call us to, Lord, whatever it is. And we want to have our eyes on you. What we say so often is, I don't want to get behind you, God. I don't want to get ahead of you. I want to be right in step with you. And here's what happens. It's not that we come to God and we say, I'm going to reject you, or that we want to become a place like this where we lose the purpose. What happens is somewhere along the way, we confuse the call of God, the purpose of God for rules, for routine, for ritual. And here's the thing is this is nothing new. This is not like the last hundred years, people have all of a sudden forgotten what, what it means to follow Jesus. This is something that's been going on for hundreds of years. In fact, it's something Jesus confronted with the religious leaders of his day. Where well-meaning people who trusted God, who loved God, who wanted to worship God, confused the call of God with rules. So one of the places we find that is in Matthew chapter 15, if you have your Bibles. Matthew 15, we're going to look at verses 1 through 11. This is what it says. Then some Pharisees and teachers of the law came to Jesus from Jerusalem and asked, why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? They don't wash their hands before they eat. Now, they're not talking about hygiene here. Washing of hands was a ritual act of purity to cleanse themselves. It was a spiritual act. And Jesus replied, and why do you break the command of God for the sake of your tradition? For God said, honor your father and mother and anyone who curses their father or mother is to be put to death. But you say that if anyone declares that what might have been used to help their father or mother is instead devoted to God, they are not to honor their father and mother or mother with it. Thus you nullify the word of God for the sake of your tradition. You hypocrites, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. And I want to invite you as we read this, uh, just let the word of God wash over you here. Let it sink in for just a moment. The words of Isaiah, the prophet, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. So let that speak to you for a moment. Let's go to the next verse. Jesus called the crowd to him and said, listen and understand. What goes into someone's mouth does not defile them, but what comes out of their mouth, that is what defiles them. All right, so what's taking place here in this encounter between Jesus and these religious teachers and the Pharisees? Well, Jesus is encountering some very well-meaning people. These are people who are, if we were to put it in modern day times, these are people who are weekly attenders. They're showing up week in and week out. They're, they're on here Wednesday night and Sunday morning and Sunday night and they're doing all the things and they're all in for the religion. 
And for them, they weren't doing something wrong. They weren't trying to walk away from God. They were trying to honor God with their life. But what they believed to be true was that to honor God with their life meant to follow all of these rules. In fact, they had a bunch of rules. They took the Old Testament and they saw that there was this description of the people of God that said, we are a kingdom of priests. And they thought, well, what that means is, is that we've all got to follow these priestly rules. And so they went through the Old Testament and they made bullet points and they came up with 613 rules that they had to follow. And the Pharisees were really good at following the rules. And they were really good at insisting that other people follow the rules. But the problem is, is that when we focus on rules rather than the call of God, we can kind of come to a place where we confuse what God's calling us to and what we think we need to do. And what Jesus points out is that when we do life that way, when we're trying to make uh, the rules for what it means to follow God, that we can even contradict ourselves. And so he calls them out. He says, here's what God says. God says you're supposed to honor God by loving your mom and your dad, your, your father and mother, honoring them, which meant in that day caring for them, that there, there wasn't a, a 401k, there, there wasn't Medicaid or Medicare, there wasn't retirement. And so you had to care for the people who were in your family as they got older. And Jesus points out, hey guys, you have a rule that if you take the money that you're supposed to use to care for your parents as they get older and you instead give it to the temple, then your rule is that you don't have to take that money and care for your parents. And he calls them out and he says, listen, I understand what you're trying to do. You're trying to have good behavior, but the problem is is you've missed the entire heart of God. That God is moved by compassion. God is moved by love and mercy and tenderness. By grace, not by just following all the rules. And the problem is that you think that you're hitting it on the nail, but you're missing it completely. And here's the thing about religion. When it becomes just this following of rules, this empty ritual, empty routine, is that you can have all kinds of good behavior and you can be the most religious person on the planet and it will move you further away from the heart of God, not closer to the heart of God. See, the heart of God, his mercy and kindness and tenderness always brings us more of him where rules will bring us less of him. And so here's the goal for us is that our pursuit is to follow Jesus, not rules. And it doesn't mean that we just throw everything out, that we throw all the instructions of God and we throw the scripture out. Of course not. That the the holy word of God leads us to him and that God is an incredibly loving father giving incredibly wise advice on how to live with him and how to follow him. But the trouble becomes when we take the instructions of God and we make it the main thing. I'll say it this way. Is that religion that teaches us about God but doesn't lead us to God is empty or to take it even a step further is that if our heart's pursuit rather than God becomes 
God's word, if our heart's pursuit rather than God becomes the church, if our heart's pursuit rather than God becomes a program or a ministry, if our heart's pursuit is not to connect with and submit to by faith the God of the universe, our religion actually becomes idolatry. And that is something that God calls us to become aware of, to pray through, and repent of. But this is hard for us to do, right? Like if we just knew, if we were self-aware and it was obvious to us that we're following a religion and not a relationship with God, we would all turn our tracks and we would move toward God. It would be, it would be easy for us. But the problem is, is that we're not that self-aware that many times we need God to speak to us and make us aware of the places and the ways that we're missing it. Of the ways that we pursue religion and not God. And so what I want to do is I want to help us to evaluate this morning. Where's my heart? Because here's the thing. There are spiritual practices that are incredibly helpful when God is the end. When God is the pursuit. When God is the target. That there are things like rhythms and patterns that help move us and shape us. That when we come together for corporate worship that that honors God and it shapes people and it moves people. That prayer and scripture and fasting are things that position us to open us up to God when God is the main thing. But when these things become the main thing, we miss it completely. And so how do we evaluate where our heart is and what our pursuit is? So what I'm going to do is I'm going to give us four pairings of statements. One of them will be what it looks like when our heart is set on religion. And the other will be what it looks like when our heart is set on God. And I want us to prayerfully consider, Lord, where is my heart today? All right, so here's the first one. Am I pursuing religion or Jesus? Religion places me in control. Jesus tells me to let him be in control. And your relationship with God, who's in control? To hear this is the allure, this is the temptation of making it all about rules. Is that when it's all about rules, I can be in control. I can check the box that I did this, 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 and this. But here's the problem with rules. Is that when we fight to be in control, we like to move the mark. And we'll say things to ourselves, well, at least I'm not like that person. And we like to prioritize it and decide which rules are more important. And typically, the rules that we put at the top of importance are the ones that are easier for us to follow. All right, well, I didn't murder anybody today. Woo! <laughs> what about the lust in my heart or the greed or the selfishness that is hidden away for nobody to see? Well, those are like lesser down on the list. Or an even greater danger. When we make it all about rules and, and I'm the one who's in control, what tends to happen is that when there's an instruction or a way of God that's hard for me to follow, there's a real danger of me rather than changing my belief or changing my behavior, I'll change my belief. That's what's happening all over the world in the church right now is that God has called us to a certain way of living to honor him and to honor others. And it's hard for us sometimes. And because it's so difficult, we will change our belief rather than changing our behavior. Because we want to be able to check off that box and be in control. But what does Jesus say? Jesus says that our call is to let him be in control. That the word of God challenges me. 
that the way of Jesus is to challenge me that Jesus doesn't look just like me. And that there will be some times where God calls me to take a step of faith and I have no idea where it will lead. If I'm so intent on being in control, when God takes, calls me to take a step of faith, I'll be hesitant to take it. Who's in control? Here's another question for us to wrestle with. Religion focuses on how close is too close to sin. But Jesus calls us to see how close we can get to him. Where's your heart? Are you concerned about how close is too close? Or is the desire of your heart, Lord, how close can I be to you? I get this question all the time. How close is too close, right? Like, how, how much fun can I have without going to hell is basically the question. Like, how much fun can I have right now? It's almost like asking, how long can I stick my hand in the fire before I have third degree burns? Now, that is no way to live. Of constantly asking, what, uh, you know, how much fun, because listen, when that's our heart's pursuit of what we think is fun right now, what we're doing is we're trading what we want now for what we want most. And what we think is fun today will never compare to the life that God has for you. When our heart's desire is, Lord, how close can I get to you? What we're really asking is, God, how much heaven can I have in my life right now? To ask how do I experience heaven is always the better question than how can I avoid hell? God, how much of you, because I promise you there's always more of God. If you ever get to the point where you think that you figured it out and you think that you've accomplished it and you think you've experienced all of God, I promise you there is more that he wants to give to you. More grace and more truth and more power. But you got to ask the right question. Not how much fun can I have now and not go to hell, but Lord, how much life can I have right now that will extend forever and ever and ever? Here's another one. Religion pushes me to good behavior, but Jesus invites me to have a changed heart. It's so easy for us to focus on good behavior. We call it the gospel of behavior modification. And it's this false teaching that somehow I can be good enough to earn God's favor. And in our part of the world, nobody's saying that out loud. And most of us would not even admit that we believe that. But let me ask you, where's the pressure? Where's the weight? Is it on you to perform? Or is it on the grace and the work of God? What did Jesus say? Come to me, all of you who are good boys and girls. That's not what he said. He said, come to me, all of you who are weak and weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Let me carry the weight. But what that does not mean is it doesn't mean we just throw up our hands and we say, well, I'm just going to do whatever I want because Jesus just gave me a blank slate. That's not it at all. Because what Jesus calls us to is a changed heart. See, I can go through life. And I will focus on willpower instead of God's power, and it will leave me to a place of defeat every single time. 
God is not calling you to have more willpower. God is calling you to throw your hands up and say, Lord, I'm in desperate need of you. I cannot do this without you. Lord, the best behavior I could ever offer to you falls short because you are holy and perfect. God, you're the Lord of all things. I could never measure up to you. Would you have grace and mercy, Lord? Would you change my heart? And God would say to you, absolutely. I'll fill you with my Holy Spirit and I will change you from the inside out and what you think and what you want and what you desire and what you hope for will begin to naturally align with the heart of God. And you have a changed heart that honors God and moves people. All right, one more. And admittedly, this one's gonna hurt. This was a difficult one for all of us. Religion allows me to attend and pretend that Jesus says, die to self, be born again, and follow him. It's easy to show up and think you've, you've done it. It's easy to wash the outside and look like a Christian, to look like a good person. And everybody might think for the rest of your life that you got it figured out. But what did Jesus say? It's not what's on the outside. It's what's on the inside that matters. Let God transform what's on the inside and he'll deal with what's on the outside. But here's what that looks like. It means that I come to God and I say, Lord, my focus is no longer self-preservation. My focus is no longer being right. God, my focus is no longer on what I think I deserve. God, I'm gonna die to self. One of the most ridiculous statements that Jesus makes in all the gospels as he comes to his disciples. And listen, this was long before Jesus ever got to Jerusalem and gave up his life. And he said to the disciples, hey, if you want to follow me, guess what you got to do? You got to take up your cross. And at that moment, that, that was a hideous, terrible, horrible form of execution by the Roman government where you died over hours or days. And Jesus is saying to the people who want to follow him, hey, guess what? If you're going to follow me, you got to be willing to do that. You got to die to yourself. And at that moment, it's no surprise that probably 90% of the people who followed Jesus were like, I really like the miracles, but you have gone off the reservation. I am out. And he turned to Peter and the disciples. He's like, are you going to leave me too? And Peter, who most often speaks before he thinks, and in this one moment, he speaks truth. And he says, where else are we going to go? You are a source of truth and life. You are everything. And I don't get it. I don't understand it. I don't even like it. But where else are we going to go? And so even if it means I've got to die to self, Lord, I know that on the other side, somehow, some way, I'm going to be born again. That your spirit is going to do something in me that I can't manufacture through a religion, through rules or rituals or habits. You're going to do something to generate life in me so that I can follow you. I don't get it, Lord, but I'm all in. That's the heart of what it means to, to step into a relationship with God. Lord, I don't get it, 
but I'm all in. I trust you no matter what. And get, the whole point is I can't be in control. And thank God, because I don't make a good God and neither do you. And so, Lord, I'm going to let you be God. I'm going to let you be in control. And when you call me to move, I'm going to move, especially when I don't understand where it's leading. It's not about showing up because I can attend and I can agree. But if I don't apply, then it takes me nowhere. So, Lord, I'm all in. And and really, it comes down to this, this foundational truth for us. That if religion tells me about God, but doesn't get me to God, I'm still spiritually dead. And a lot of us know all about God. We know all about the Bible. We know all about the rules. But could it be this morning that that it hasn't led you to God? So what do we do? How do we move through this? How do we get to a place where it's not just I know about God, but I know the king of the universe who loves me. I know his voice. I know his heart. Because I've spent time with him. I've wrestled with him. Even in doubt, I've moved forward because I trust him. What does it look like to do that? Well, there's three things, and, and it's, it's going to become a theme through this series. I hope you, find, you discover that. It's very simple, but it's so very hard. God, make me aware. We talked about last week. We've got to become aware of the spiritual world. I want to challenge you today. We've got to be aware of where we engage in empty ritual and rules and habits that put a spiritual mask on it, but we're not pursuing the heart of God. God, make me aware of that. You don't get credit for perfect attendance. It's all in with God or nothing. God, make me aware. And then as God begins to move by the Spirit of God, in your heart, and maybe one of the things you can do is you can go back to Psalm 139, those last few verses, and just pray it back to God over and over and over. Search me, O God, and know me. Test me. Know my anxious thoughts. See if there be any wicked way in me. Because God, I don't want to be like the, the prophet Isaiah said, where my lips praise you, but there's nothing happening in my heart. My heart is far from you. Lord, help me to be aware of those wicked ways in me that I might have whitewashed and made it look real pretty. Help me become aware of that. And then we pray, Father, move and do what only you can do. Transform my heart. God, I don't want it to be about good behavior. I want to go from death to life and everything about me will be transformed. God, I need you desperately. Holy Spirit, fill me. We pray that to God and he will honor that prayer. And then here's the key. As God speaks and God moves, we've got to repent. Repent doesn't mean just ask forgiveness. It means that I'm moving this direction and I change directions and I start moving toward God. And sometimes what that looks like for us is to stop doing something that we call good to do something that God calls faithful. You may have decided that what you're doing is good, but the end goal is you. And what God has called you to do is to die to you and to put your life in his hands. And you may need to repent of that today.
And the power of this, as I said earlier, it is rooted in prayer. So this is the way we're going to close out today. As we're going to pray collectively together, I'm going to put a prayer up on the screen. And I'm going to invite you to pray this prayer with me. If you'll read it out loud and let's just lift this up. May your be, your, be your heart's cry to God. Lord, I want to know you. I want to have life in you. Give me faith to trust you completely, even when I don't understand or when I feel out of control in life. Give me a desire for you more than anything else. I don't want to just follow rules. I want to see you, hear you, and experience you. I know that I cannot earn your love or your salvation, but I trust that you offer your love and salvation freely when I trust in you, and I am desperate for what you give. I repent of trying to be in control of everything, of wanting pleasure more than your glory in my life, and of going through the motions without really seeking you. Forgive me, set me free, and give me faith. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.